Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. What is up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Monday, September 2nd edition of the Rebel Report podcast. Um, football season is fully back upon us, I would say. Um, Ole Miss obviously lost 15-10. to 10, Got a lot to get into that. I have a lot of thoughts on how both the first and second half of that game is win, what it kind of means for Ole Miss going forward. Um, they're in kind of a fascinating position because... Not to say make or break in week two, but man, you turn into week two now, and and, and you're in a really interesting spot. Um, some thoughts on college football in general across the first weekend, which was a really bad weekend for the SEC for the most part. It seemed like. Um, what's up? Not much. Yeah, it was uh, not great if you're an Ole Miss fan. Um, I guess there was there were you know you could have could have had a worse weekend. Um, you know some some teams in the SEC certainly did. Yeah, what do you, I, what is that attributed to? Like, I, like I was so. Oh, let's start with Ole Miss for first off. So, yeah. That's, yeah, we're burying the lead here. Um, so Ole Miss loses to Memphis, fifteen to ten, in what was I would dub a very strange game. Um, it may just be because I'm used to covering games where Ole Miss, you know, gives up thirty five points and scores twenty five, or gives up forty five and scores thirty five. But it was a weird game to me. Um, obviously. Really, to me, this game was defined by the offense's performance in the first half and their inability to overcome it because I thought Ole Miss played, for the most part, pretty well in the second half, but they just weren't able to overcome what happened in the first half, I thought. I mean, what, they, Ole Miss had 43, 42 yards at halftime. I think they had negative one rushing yards. Um, yeah, I think it was 43 passing yards and negative one rushing yards for 42 total yards. The offense couldn't do anything in the first half. Um, that's mostly, it's, I have a theory on what happened. So the first couple drives, Ole Miss couldn't block anybody. Like Memphis was two and a half yards in Ole Miss's backfield upon Matt Corral getting the football in his hands to snap it. They couldn't run it. I think their first 11 rushes went for a yard. The offensive line was overwhelmed, whether it was run blocking, pass blocking, whatever. They just were overwhelmed and could not handle Memphis up front. I think that threw off what Richrod wanted to do and kind of how he maybe had scripted the way he was going to call the game at least a little bit. I don't see how it couldn't. And it took him until halftime to kind of figure out what worked and what they could do. But by that point, it was too late to overcome because Ole Miss didn't play bad in the second half offensively, but they only got the ball four times. Yeah, and, and one of them was for a play. Uh, like you said, I mean, I'm sure everything got thrown off and they realized, oh, crap, we can't block these dudes. Uh and I guess that, that, that speaks to a larger problem for them. Crowd didn't play well. Richrod didn't call a good game. The receivers didn't get separation. Outside of Scotty Phillips and maybe Jason Pellerin, nobody really played well on offense. I guess Elijah Moore was fine. But other than that, it was it was just kind of a you know, a bad performance from everyone. Yeah. Um and what was interesting to me about the first half is that Memphis really, really overloaded the I guess it would be their right side, but they were attacking Ole Miss's left side of the line of scrimmage. They were attacking Michael Howard. They were attacking Royce Newman, and smartly, honestly, because I mean that you know that side hadn't played very much football at all. Michael Howard, none at all, and they really struggled. I mean, I didn't in the second half. I didn't see the the safety because I was um, 
because I was going down to the field. So I was in the elevator when it happened, or at least just just getting out on the field when it happened. Um, and when when I went back and watched it, they overloaded. And Matt Luke said this in his post game press conference, but they overloaded the they overloaded the left side. And you know, I thought it was very telling the way Matt Corral described that play after the game because he described it as a guy got confused and missed a block, and I didn't have time to throw the ball away. And I think they were confused and disoriented a lot. But that's to me the product of a really young football team, just kind of a really young offense, I guess you could say, because the defense is not young just making mistakes and, and really costly mistakes because you have to know at that time, one, you can't take a sack. And I don't, I'm not even necessarily sure. He got ambushed so hard, I'm not necessarily sure you could put that on Corral not throwing the ball away. But point being, like, you know, an older, experienced football team, you know, older, experienced quarterback, older, experienced offensive line, you know, that can't happen and probably doesn't happen, I guess is my point. Sure. Um, and, you know, Rich Rod probably will set play call back. I mean, you you're struggling to block all day, and then you drop back to pass in your own end zone. I think he said as much as if there was one play you could change, it would probably be that one. Um, yeah, just, just just a bad day on offense. I mean, they'll tell you they played a lot better in the second half, and they did. But if you play like you did in the second half for two halves, you score 20 points, and that's still not great. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. The offensive line is going to struggle this year. How much they get better over the course of 12 games is going to depend on if this can be a five- or six-win season or a two- or three-win season. I think either of those are on the table. Yeah, I agree with most of that. I, I don't, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with the, the way that if they'd have played the way they played in the second half in the first half, it would have just been 20 points because they moved the ball so much more often. Like, Memphis salted the way the last six-and-a-half minutes of the game like, to me, it felt like if Ole Miss had gotten the ball back, and the safety really killed him when it goes from, you know, you're down five versus just a field goal. Um, but they got the ball more in the, fir- in the first half. Sure. I, I was just being a little bit of a... No, no, no. I, I know where you're going with it. I'm just... I, I would be interested, I guess, more so than saying I'm disagreeing with you, if they had played and had that amount of success in the first half, what would the result have been and what would the yardage difference have been? Because obviously they'd have way more than 174 yards of the game. Like, What would the yardage and snap count discrepancies have been? Would Ole Miss, uh, presumably they would have gotten more than 52 plays, the defense wouldn't have been worn down. How would that have changed the game? I mean, sure, and, and they would have won the football game, um, to be sure, if they played like that in the first half. Um, I just don't know if I buy into there was a complete, you know, uh, not rebuild, that's not the word I'm looking for. There was a complete change in offensive success in the second half. I mean, they still they had the safety. They turned it over in down, on downs inside Memphis' 30. I mean, they played better in the second half, but I think the first half was so bad that anything better than that was going to make you, you know, think that they played a lot better. Well, I think it was just more so about sustaining drives. I mean, the second half you had seven plays, nine plays, ten plays, one play. So they really only got three drives because of the safety. And in the second half, you're going 3-3-3-8-4-2-3-1. Yeah. Well, I mean, one yeah. doesn't really count. That was the kneel down before halftime or running. Which, whatever that, 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 that's another thing that, look, your offense struggled all day. I get that. But you were down 13 points with 40 seconds left and three timeouts and weren't getting the ball after halftime. I really didn't understand just punting it there. Um, I think he was just like, look, we don't know what – like." Yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm not saying that's a wrong line of thinking, but I, I think he was like if, if if I'm in Matt Luke's brain there, like he's of the opinion we're a mess. We don't know what we can do. I'm sure he's talking to Rich Rod about it as we go. They're just trying to get in and regroup. Sure, because what were the odds they were going to do anything in 40 seconds into it? The way that thing was going, what, God forbid you turn it over again. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's fair, but I just felt like you had to try to go get a field goal there. Um, but, man, it was it was miserable to watch from an Ole Miss perspective because you just kind of knew there wasn't much they could do in the first half. I mean, Corral wasn't playing well the few times he did have the time. Receivers weren't getting open. The left side of the offensive line was giving you no protection. Uh, just, just a bad day all around in the first half, except for the defense, who I think the defense gave up one touchdown drive that was deserved. And then the other touchdown drive was just an absolute farce. I mean, and I, I don't mean to get on officials, but the roughing the passer call was, you know, egregiously bad. And I can't remember. There was another 15-yard penalty that kept it a lot, too. So the way the official – I guess we can transition to defense. I have some more thoughts on offense we can go back to in a second. But the the um, the roughing the passer call – so Sam Williams, the, it's the, what, the first drive Memphis had in the second quarter, I think. It was, it was their first touchdown drive. Okay, so never mind. It was their second drive of the game. 13 plays, 74 yards, aided a great deal by, obviously, like as we were talking about, Ole Miss penalties. So Sam Williams had two personal fouls. The first one was a face mask um, that kept a drive wide that would have been a third down stop. The second one was a roughing the passer call in Memphis, in Ole Miss territory that would have held them. I can't remember if they were in field goal range. I don't think Memphis's field goal kicker was necessarily very good. So I think He wasn't, they, but it was going to be third, fourth and like 18. So they either had to punt it or kick it. Yeah, no, that's, that's kind of my point. I'm just saying, like, I don't know if it would have been zero points or three, but the point being they would have gotten off the field. So it, it sounded like the way the passer, the roughing the passer was described, it was that NFL body weight thing you saw um, last year that really kind of, they changed the way they officiated it towards the uh, end of the year after the first, I say the end of the year, really after the first five or six weeks when people were like, this is ridiculous, these defenders can't do anything. When the referee described the penalty, I believe he said taking it, you know, forcefully driving the quarterback into the ground, I think was the phrase he used. Oof. I, I didn't hear that. Uh, I'm not saying it wrong. I just, uh, I, I was watching a game I was in, in a place where you didn't have volume. Well, that's uh, what it was. I, th- I think people really got upset, and people that may be in similar positions to where you were watching it got upset that, hey, that wasn't late. I'm pretty sure it was described to me as the driving him into the ground and putting your weight on it. Do you know the, maybe, the rule I'm talking about? Yeah, I do, but maybe, and maybe so. But if that's the case, then they, they gypped Ole Miss on one. On the, I guess it was the fourth down. Is that is Have they really implemented that into college football? Because the NFL got rid of it, didn't they? Well, they didn't get rid of it. They just kind of changed how they officiated it. You know, the NFL does this every year, basically, right, where there's some new tweak to how they protect the quarterback in the first four weeks. It's the worst thing that's ever happened, and it's going to ruin football. And then the referees kind of settle in and realize that, like, unless it's agreed, just maybe don't call it to the exact letter of the law. I don't know if that's a rule change, but I'm – I mean, I can go back and pull it up again. I rewatched the game yesterday. I'm 99% sure that is what he described. Basically, yeah, I'm I, somewhere thinking that rule. I don't know if it's an actual body weight rule in college football, but he said he drove him into the ground. That was the penalty. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that. And then the face mask call was, I mean, like, there's I didn't no see that. Of shocker, the Memphis press box didn't have a working TV where I was sitting. Yeah, uh, mine he, was out. He didn't touch his face mask. Uh, yeah, it was, it was. That was a tough two calls from Sam Williams, who played pretty well on Saturday, especially in the second half. He was he was kind of a monster in the second half. It, it, that was a tough break for him. Yeah, so I guess my main thoughts on the defense, I had a, a few written down. One, the 3-4 fits old, this personnel way better. And I think when you have a little bit of a lack, I don't want to say lack of talent, because there's some interesting pieces on this defense, but they really are still in a little bit of a, a, a talent drop-off. Um, I think having these guys cut be responsible for covering less space really, really helps them. 
Uh, my second one is Lakia Henry was really, really good. I mean, yes, he, he, he looked the part. He had seven tackles. He was everywhere. Um, second part, my second observation was Ole Miss didn't really get a consistent pass rush, but I'm not necessarily sure they can't. Um, that was, I think, more so a product of what Memphis was doing. Memphis didn't let Brady White sit back and throw the football very much, and based on a couple of his decisions, probably smartly show, so, Ole Miss, they, Memphis got the ball out in space very quickly. I mean, how many times did you see a bubble screen to the wide receiver on the perimeter? 15, yeah, 20? Yeah, and, and Ole Miss's corners tackled really well out there, too. And that's a part. That's a product of those edge players and those outside linebackers too converging on that because you go see the corner make the play a couple times, but it, the receivers are very overwhelmed. Those smaller receivers are really overwhelmed trying to block those bigger outside linebackers because most of those guys are converted defensive ends, and so you're putting a receiver sometimes blocking a guy like that. I mean, because he has a basically the way they got it was he they kind of had an option, right? Like you block the corner in front of you or you block the pursuing edge guy, and it Ole Miss held up fairly well against it, barring a couple of times. But it looked like, to me, going back and rewatching it yesterday, the couple of times the guys got loose on that play was because of a missed tackle. Yeah, and and look, they're, they're going to miss tackles. But that just kind of is what it is. But, man, just from a tackling perspective, pretty much everything perspective compared to last year, it's like night and day. Yeah, I was um, – I was – I was – I don't want to say stunned because that's just hot takey. I was mm-hmm. surprised – if I told you Ole Miss gave up 13 points to Memphis and none in the second half. 374 what? yards total offense. Yeah, Patrick Taylor, what, he ended up with 168 He's a good yards. No, he yeah. that kid can play. But he had, they, he, no, excuse me, he had ended up with 128 yards, but it took him 27 carries to get to it. For an Ole Miss defense, based on what they've been the last two years, that'll hunt. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say stunned. Because if you tell me this defense gives up 13 points, zero in the second half, I'd, I'd that would have been so far off my belief that I I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. I would agree if you'd have told me before the game over under 385 yards Ole Miss gives up, I would have said over without much hesitation. <laughs> and 13 points, I'd have been like, uh, did they not play the second half? At the same time, I'm not necessarily sure Memphis' offense is that good. Uh, it's not. Brady White it was looked- not impressive. And so – Yes, that's not the same caliber of offense they're going to be going up against week in and week out, but you got to take, if you're the Ole Miss defense, like, that had to be a confidence boost. As badly as they struggled the last couple of years to play the way they did and keep Ole Miss in the game, I, I would think even in a loss they're gaining confidence because, I mean, I mean, it's so hard to tell what these guys are actually thinking because a lot of these post-game answers are canned. But, like, Benito Jones seemed fairly pleased with how they played. Mike McIntyre was definitely pleased with how the defense played for the most part. Like you said, they gave up one touchdown drive, you know, not, I mean, I'm not going to call the other one illegitimate, but the the other one that was the help of two penalties that you know, may may not whatever you want to say about that. Point being, they gave up one true touchdown, and that was on a short field. The second touchdown they gave up, Memphis only had to go 37 yards because yep. Ole Miss went out, you know, three and out in five seconds, and then I think it, it wasn't a bad punt. It they missed a couple tackles, and the guy got loose on the punt return, if I remember it correctly. They actually punted extremely well on, and they had a lot of practice. Uh, Matt Brown did a really good job on Saturday. Yeah, it was it it was a you know night and day improvement from the defense, uh, and which is good because they're going to need it. And, and I think it was legitimate. I don't think that was a fluke. Uh, Benito Jones played extremely well. They tackled well out in space to me. Uh, Sam Williams is a ball player. I think they're going to be pretty compared to what they have been. Look, they're not going to stop Alabama, LSU, and A and M probably, but 
I think they're going to give this offense, you know, chances against, you know, uh, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. Um, I'm just trying to think of other teams. I'd uh, like to I see think- them when they, when a couple injuries pop up, when they kind of eat yeah. into the depth a little bit. Because you'll remember last year, and this is not the greatest example because Texas Tech didn't end up being any good, but Ole Miss looked fairly competent defensively in the opener last year. And sure. then five games later, really not even five games later, three or four games later, you're like, actually, this defense sucks. But yeah, and I'm not but, saying that's going to be the same case because they showed a lot of improvement, but I'll be interested to see how they fare when, you know, Mohamed Sanogo misses a game or Lakia Henry misses a game or you missing a couple guys up front. Um, you know, Kedron Smith went out with cramps, which I thought was a leg injury. That kid can play, by the way. What? That kid can play. Yeah, no, Kedron Smith had a, he had a hell of a game, too. I think he was tied for the team lead in tackles with seven as well. He played really well. I mean, there's a reason he got on the field so much as a freshman. There's a reason he was named a technical starter over Jalen Jones. Kid's long, kid's athletic. He's going to turn into a pretty good corner. Um, but to my, over, my, my larger point, I, I, I'm not saying it's going it, – this was – this was not sustainable. I'm just interested to see what happens when they get into their depth a little bit. Yeah, and that's certainly fair because you're going to have to. Uh, you know, so we'll see. It, it, it was a good first step, though. It's unfortunate for those guys they didn't get a win. But like you said, I think it's, it's obviously some confidence you can take from that, too. I mean, you played an offense that, you know, kind of torched the AAC last year. They didn't really do much against you at all. Yeah, Memphis may go undefeated. I don't know if you've looked at their schedule. I wasn't necessarily uh, impressed by their offense, but, man, you look at their schedule, like that I, Navy game doesn't hold teeth as much. Until you get to that Cincinnati game, who's going to beat them? Maybe Houston? They, yeah, I was going to say, do they go to Houston? They play, let's see, not that this matters at all. Houston looked good last night once they got their feet on them. Yeah, they did. Um, their offense was fine. I think Oklahoma's offense is going to be really good. We'll get to all that in a second. Uh, Memphis, they get Houston the third to last week of the season. So Memphis could be Memphis could be Memphis could be nine and zero because they go Navy, UL Monroe, Temple, Tulane, Tulsa, SMU, and then their last three games are Houston, USF, and Cincinnati. That's where they're losing a game in that stretch. If they yeah, play. well, I tell you, they could lose at Temple too. That's a good football team. Um, I don't know much about Temple other than they lost Jeff Collins. They did. They did. Uh, they're usually pretty good, though, and I think they got to go up there. I don't know. Memphis is good. Yeah, sure. They'll go nine and three to ten and two, in my opinion. Um, I think they're you're going to lose, like you said, Cincinnati, Houston. They don't play UCF, I don't believe. Um, so yeah, it, it, they got a chance to be really good, especially in that conference. Jumping back to Ole Miss, I had a couple more offensive thoughts. Well, one of the things that surprised me, uh, Jerry Ely and Snoop Connor got four touches and one touch, respectively. Yeah, um, and if Ely doesn't read blocks better than what he did on Saturday, that might not, that number might go down. Um, he didn't play well Saturday. Look, there was nowhere to go, but he had one carry that, that he refused to cut the ball up the field where he could have got five or six yards. Look, that, that's a freshman thing. I'm not saying the kid can't play. Um but when you've got a guy like Scotty Phillips and, and you, he played as well as he did Saturday, I don't think you're going to take the ball out of his hands much. No, and Snoop and Snoop, Con- but Snoop Connor only touching the ball one time was surprising yeah. to me. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I don't, I don't disagree there because we were told kind of all camp that those guys were going to get, you know, a decent excuse me, amount he touched of it twice. He had a catch and a, and a rush. Sorry, twice. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a little bit surprising, but I just don't think they want to take the ball out of Phillips' hands if they can if they can help it. I guess so, but you can hit teams a lot of different ways because they're four different types of backs and they're built differently and they run differently. So, 
I mean, well, yeah, but if you had to run power to have sustained sustained success on the ground, Phillips is your best option by far. Yeah, and that's fair, and that's what they did in the second half. They did a lot more power running schemes. Uh, they ran off tackle a decent bit more. I think they kind of found some success over there, you know, kind of utilizing the tight end as a crutch to maybe help them on that left side a little bit. Um, Phillips is pretty good in between the tackles. He his, his explosiveness off of one cut is impressive to me. He can get upfield very quickly and kind of shoot up for three, four yards before you've even realized he made a cut. Um, he's a good back. Um, what's interesting to me is what, like, I'm in, I, I just, I still don't, like, 53 snap sample size, I still don't feel like I've seen enough of this offense to make a sweeping judgment, other than yeah. that they're going to struggle up front. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, they're going to struggle up front. Um, I don't, you know, a lot of people were, were upset with Corral and how he played. I thought that was fair. Um, but you, this isn't a situation, like, and I think if he struggles again, people are going to, because they started to do it on Saturday, they're going to start asking about the backup quarterback. Guys, that, that's not an option. Uh, Matt Corral's the dude, so get, get ready for him, and, and you're going to have to ride the wave with him, I guess. Um. Yeah, I would agree with that mostly. Um, I got a couple questions at halftime from people asking, is there any chance we see a backup quarterback in the second half? And I was like, no, absolutely none. There was not on Saturday. If you told me Tisdale, if he played like that again this, this week and Tisdale got like a series, I wouldn't be shocked. But no, on Saturday there was no possibility of it. Well, yeah, no, that's what I'm kind of saying. Yeah, Matt Corral's the guy, but do we do we know that? Like, he's just kind of been there by default. You haven't seen a ton of Matt Corral. And on one hand, it's like, and I'm not saying they should make a change. I'm not even saying they should explore that idea right now. I'm, I'm just thinking out loud some of the thoughts I had on Saturday is, on one hand, this is going to take time. It's another offense. It's basically entirely new personnel. Um, it's, a, it's a new scheme. And he's a young guy. I mean, he's 19 years old, I think. He may not even yeah. be 19 yet. I think he's 19, I would, I would assume, at this point. It's, it's going to take time, and Ole Miss has gotten so used to I, I think I, I don't want to s- steal from this. I'm pretty sure Bennett Hip had I yeah. kind of agreed with this line of thinking is that Ole Miss has gotten so used, so used to junior college transfers and guys coming into the rate of play. You've kind of forgotten what a true freshman, like what a freshman quarterback is is like in that sense in the time it takes to develop. I'm not even sure Shea Patterson is necessarily a good example because one, Shea Patterson had a lot better weapons to throw to, like a lot more around him and a veteran offensive line. And he wasn't learning a, well, I guess he kind of was learning a new scheme as he was kind of the face of the thing. I'm just not sure that's a comparable situation. I, I guess that's fair. Um, and, and what I meant was there was no chance of a backup quarterback was on Saturday. Look, if Corral struggles again, um, I really don't know if you can keep rolling him out there. Uh, because, look, like I've said, the offensive line was atrocious. But he was bad, too. Like it, you, Both of those can be true. They're not mutually exclusive. So I, I'm not going to be stunned if he has a bad half if, if Tisdale gets a, gets a series or two next Saturday. No, that wouldn't uh, – I mean, I don't know. Because that was kind of my – that's kind of the the, the – that's kind of the predicament I guess I was trying to place upon Ole Miss is, one, you want to stick with Corral because it is going to take time, and it's going to take time sure. to flow and time to have cohesiveness. But at what point if he continues to be inaccurate and continues to struggle, do you maybe take a look at another guy? Because, again, he was kind of anointed the guy, but it's really mostly by default because the three guys competing to be his backup are true freshmen, 
And so it's kind of a battle of how long of a leash do you give him? How much do you do you kind of put all your chips in the table? You know, kind of hitch your wagons to him being the guy, or as opposed to maybe looking at what else you have. Because again, you at the end of the day, you have four freshman quarterbacks. Yep, and you've got another one coming in next year. So that room is fascinating to me. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. Look, Ole Miss is supposed to win on Saturday. Uh, I think for them to win, uh, Matt Crow has to play well. I don't think he can he can play like they did on Saturday and, and Ole Miss walk off that field with a win. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see from an offensive perspective how they manage everything. Yeah, and so another thing I was surprised about is with the way Elijah Moore was playing, and I, obviously I and this was no secret, you said it all, I mean, we said it all offseason. If you're looking for a guy to kind of break out and be a, a, a kind of the, I don't want to say like the guy in that in that next receiver room, but like someone who kind of is not necessarily on other people's radar that's going to break out, it's definitely him. I was surprised he only caught four passes the way he was playing. I figured they might have tried to get them the football more, and they did a little bit, and they, of course he missed, Corral missed some throws, but I was surprised that they didn't kind of squarely target him more. Yeah, no, that's certainly fair. They didn't force him the football, so to say. Um, and he was really your only playmaker besides Phillips. So that was that was kind of something I was I didn't really understand from Rich Rod. You know, they, I thought they were a little bit too predictable on first down in the first half, um, and that was another thing that I, I was a little bit critical of. Is they did not force the football to probably their second best playmaker on offense, and I think that really cost them. Yeah, and I just I was the other thing that I already kind of hit on earlier is I was surprised to see the lack of disparity in carries. Like I figured they might try to hit Memphis in a couple different ways with Phillips, Ely, and Connor, and I don't think I don't I don't think I don't think uh, Isaiah Ward played. Yeah, he didn't play on offense. So. Um, so I was a little surprised by that. I was a little surprised by how inaccurate Matt Corral was. Um, I just I, I'm having trouble figuring out how much stock to put in that. It's going to be interesting listening to Rich Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre, or Rich Rodriguez and Matt Luke today talk about it once they've kind of seen the film. How much of that is him getting spooked and knowing he's kind of running for his life? How much of that is him not necessarily being, because when they do the move the pocket thing in a rollout, that's something I feel like if you they do it, if they if they're going to do it as frequently as it looks like they want to, how much that takes getting used to throwing on the run like that? Yeah. Yeah, and his mechanics were a little bit off on Saturday, from what I can tell. So it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, look, it, they've got to get a lot of stuff fixed before Saturday if they want to. If they want to win a game, that look, I don't. I don't want to beat around the bush. Saturday's as must win as it gets for week two in a college football season. I mean, you lose that one, and we're off to the races. Yeah, I would agree with that. They can't afford to lose that, but man, what a pillow fight that may may end up being. Um, I mean, if you walk off Bald Hemingway with a win. You're going to beat Southeastern Louisiana. You're two and one. That's not. It's not terrible. I mean, you're playing a huge game against Cal, but you can handle two and one. I mean, nobody's going to be really upset over that. But good God, if you lose it. Well, that's kind of the same thing I've been saying all month. Is the way I've kind of started looking at this is is it's a it's a three part test for the first month for Ole Miss and Southeastern Louisiana is kind of the bonus. So you got to pass two of the three parts basically, and they didn't pass the first part of the test. Now, granted, could they kind of make up for it on the other two parts? Yeah, absolutely. But again, if you fail the first part, well, how you know how much you're going to improve to, I guess, get a passing grade on the second well, and third part? Well, I mean, to be fair, they're favored to win the second part by six points, um, and I think they would be favored against California. They weren't favored against Memphis. I mean, Vegas doesn't you know build these casinos off credit. They, they're projecting Ole Miss to win this football game on Saturday, and I think they'll 
project them to win against California. So you can't get upset at home, basically. Yeah, I feel like it's interesting to me because the way they played in the second half, I was like, look, this. I, my, I, I left the game with the overall feeling kind of after sensing, listening to Matt, uh, Rich Rod talk after the game, after listening to Matt Corral and some of the other guys, particularly with they played the way they played in the second half offensively and you saw some semblance of success, I don't think they're sunk. I think this is just going to be – look, They were this team was always going to struggle in some capacity this year, particularly early. It was just kind of a matter of how much. I don't think they're completely sunk. I think this is just going to take time because people sure. make sweeping assumptions. I mean, just go look at t- – I mean, I hate using Twitter as an example, but the way, like, people love to make such sweeping assumptions about everything so quickly because we're in such a microwave society now. Like, even just go look at the beginning of a game last night, what people are tweeting when Oklahoma goes up 31 nothing compared, or 21 nothing compared to when Memphis kind of gets his feet under it. Like, everyone wants to kind of make this sweeping assumption and get this, like, get the take in, you know, based off such a minute sample size that... You don't really know. I mean, you went into last year thinking that Ed Orgeron would be fired by week four and they were going to get boat raced by Miami, and then Miami was a top eight team, and Miami ended up being terrible, and LSU ended up being really good. You just don't really know. I mean, you, I thought, get what you thought after the first week last year, Ole Miss, they beat Texas Tech, and you're thinking maybe this team is pretty good. Maybe they're a 6-7 win team if they stay healthy. And, you know, actually, Texas Tech is awful, and the Ole Miss defense is awful. Well, and I get what you're saying, but I also don't want to undersell it either. I mean, there is stuff to take away from this game, too. The offensive line was atrocious. That, that's non-negotiable. And that's, um, I'm not sure how much that's going to change in the next three weeks. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, you, I get what you're saying is, is we live in a microwave society and everybody's got their opinions and you got to be the first to get them out there. But in saying that, I mean, some of these are valid. The offensive line was bad. Macaral was bad. Rich Rodriguez was bad. Um and you have to gauge whether that's going to improve over the next 11 weeks. Uh, we'll see. But we're you know, saying the same thing. Like, I, I just, I, I think, I'd like to see another week of it. I, I think it's, it's, it's too early. I think you can kind of start forming a hypothesis based on how badly the offensive line struggled. But if the offense ends up being competent and the defense ends up kind of playing at a similar level, they're still going to be competitive in some games. Just making a sweeping assumption off well, this game I think is unwise. If, if the offense improves to a level that's where it's competent, and the defense plays like this. I mean, they're they're going to win, you know, five or six football games. Um, but like I said earlier, if they don't, they're staring two and ten or three and nine in the face. That offensive line shows up in the SEC, they will not win an SEC game. It will not happen. And I guess this is partly, and some of it's just roster turnover. Some of it's the scholarship thing. But you lo- you lose those offensive linemen out of the program, and you bring in seven freshmen. That's part of how this was. Like that's part of the fact. Like that's part of what people like. That's kind of what you're looking at when you think 2019 was always going to be the bottoming out year when the talent, when some of that talent from Freeze it's, is off the roster. And when you say that, and everyone said it, it was kind of a buzz phrase repeatedly said, you thought wide receivers. Well, no one really thought about the offensive line, and that's what's hurting this team more so than anything. Oh, absolutely. Um, look, if, look, let's just put it like this. If Ole Miss has their offensive line from 2018, they win that football game Saturday, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah, because I mean they're going to run the football, and if they run, if they just scored once in the first half, they win. And I feel like you know Sean Rollins, Javon Patterson, and uh, Jordan Sims probably account for at least one touchdown. So, yeah, I mean it's just going to take time. But in saying that, there there were certainly some things to take away from Saturday too.
I'm not saying you can't like like I'm not saying you can't react to it. I just making a sweeping assumption and saying this team is going two and ten or this team is going to be okay and go six and six. Either way, I think that's foolish after a game. Yeah, I I, I do think two and ten is on the table. Whereas I didn't on Saturday um, because if this offensive line doesn't improve, I mean two and ten is certainly possible. Um, and saying that if they do improve, six and six is still possible. So it's just gonna like you said. I mean we'll, we'll have. We got eleven more weeks to, to figure it out. Out of these three teams they play in the month of September and I get look Saturday, August thirty first, don't well actually be. Um Arkansas, Cal and Memphis who like Memphis has a pretty solid chance to be end up being the best of the three teams they play out of that. I would think so. Um, California beat a FCS school by seven on Saturday, uh, as did Arkansas. So So what happened I there? I was driving home, so um here, I'll get to my last couple thoughts um, on the Liberty Bowl and on this game in general. Um, so here, I'm just going to go rapid fire here, and then we'll kind of transition okay. to what's next. Uh, one, offensive line, bad. Two, and this is literally just stuff I wrote down in my notebook. Matt Corral, inaccurate, um, maybe a little flustered after uh, kind of the ambush he, he, he absorbed, I guess you want to say, the first couple of drives where they were just all over. I mean, it was a, it was a free-for-all in that backfield for the first four drives of the game. Um, I mean, just a complete and utter free-for-all. Four surprised that they, like, how underused the backs behind Phillips were. I'm not necessarily sure if that was part of the plan or that's just a product of what happened. I'm just saying I was surprised. I'm not saying it's an indictment. Just surprising to me. Um, Five, the live Tiger before the game was very interesting to me. Um, If you planted it, again, I keep saying this, if you planted someone from outer space or someone even from, like, the other side of the world and planted them in the Liberty Bowl at 10.45 a.m. when they brought the live tiger uh, in a cage hauled by this pickup truck and people going nuts around the stadium, you would probably be pretty freaked out. (laughs) That thing was on some drugs, huh? Um, Yeah, and it was apparently the tiger's birthday. They sang happy birthday to it at some point during the stoppage of play in the first quarter. I'm sure the tiger very much appreciated that. That thing Uh was asleep, guys. Yeah, and so one, it's, it's hot as hell on that field. Is it safe to keep a tiger on a field that's 120 degrees? Probably not. In a cage? I would guess no. Yeah, but it's not like you can let it out. Like, you'd have a Jackie Moon type situation if that thing got loose. I mean, no, you can't let the tiger just roam around the stadium. Um, Two, Liberty Bowl rough. Yeah, yeah, and they've improved it. So. Or, I said two, that's actually number six. Seven, Brady White at times single-handedly kept Ole Miss in that game with some of his decision-making. Uh, he was not I will, good. I'll make an amendment to that. Brady White and Mike Norvell, because Memphis should have been up in that game by three touchdowns. Uh, I would agree. Cool. Ole Miss was very fortunate to only be 13 and nothing at halftime. And that swing play, and that, that was interesting to me, that for the first time in a long time, and I'm thinking you know, all the way back to the 15 team, that, that first drive of the second half where Ole Miss caught a break where Patrick Taylor was down upon review, the one where he rolled up over somebody and got to the end zone like it would have been a touchdown to make it 20 to nothing, uh-huh. and they got it called back, you're thinking, man, Ole Miss really, because you don't even really need him to kick a field goal there because then you're basically down three scores unless you're converting two-point conversions right. if, you're, if you can kind of go along with the way I'm thinking about it. The defense forced a turnover when it badly needed it. Yeah, it they did. It blew up a screenplay in Benito Jones. Granted, I'm not discounting the play by Benito Jones. I think he just kind of looked up and the ball was in his stomach. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Which is look, a terrible decision by Brady White, by the way. Yeah. Everybody loves Mike Norvell as this great football coach because he wins at Memphis. 
he recruits really well. Um, I don't really think he's that great of a football coach. So, I. I was perplexed at times by their strategy offensively because they were very they were having, um, I would say, I don't want to say intermittent success running the football and. You know, Taylor would have a couple productive runs, and then they would try to get the ball out to someone on the perimeter for a screenplay again. And I was like, I would keep handing this kid the ball. Yeah, because he's really good. Um, he's going to tear up the AAC. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. Brady White was not good. Neither was Norvell. That was a great call on the fourth and one. I wouldn't have gone for it, but they did. Yeah, so I guess we'll, yeah, I wouldn't have gone for that there either. Um, Ole Miss hadn't done anything all day. You just pinned him back down to their one and got him a safety. Why go for it there? I mean, I can't fault him. It worked. Maybe he had the shuttle pass up his sleeve, and he was like, okay, this is going to work, um, which I thought initially. I was standing on the Ole Miss' sideline. I thought they stuffed it initially. And then, well, the kid I, I couldn't bobbled tell, the football. Co- co- yeah, and was it Coatney or Jones that had him at first, and he just kind of rolled over? I think it was Coatney. Uh, um, Cody played really well Saturday, by the way. Yeah, he had but, a pretty good game, too. I wouldn't have really gone for it there either, but I guess you can't fault him. And that was interesting to me as Memphis salted away what basically the last 640 of that game. Yep. Um, yep. If you count the free kick, uh, the the time that elapsed on the free kick, what would have happened if Ole Miss had gotten the ball one more time? The Ole Miss would have gone. That would have turned it over on down for them, likely. I don't know. The way they were moving the ball in the second half, if they got deep yeah. in the field position, it wouldn't have stunned I, me if they just scored I, a touchdown. I understand what you're saying, but... Uh, they were running the football with success, too. Is Mike Corral really going to conduct a two-minute drive behind that offensive line where you're pretty much only throwing the football? No, but if he gave it to him, if they had gotten the stop on that initial, I guess, if they had gotten if they had gotten a three and out when Memphis got the free kickback, you're getting it with four-ish minutes left. Um, okay. so I don't think you can speak in def- like indefinites on either way. It would have been interesting to me. I would have liked to see Ole Miss get the ball one more time. That would have added a fascinating element to that game that we didn't get. Yeah. If Ole Miss won that game, uh, Mike Norville should have been fired. Yeah, because they you would have thinking Ole Miss really stole that. Yeah. But, alas, the, the correct team won the football game. Um, so, anyway, transitioning Ole Miss now, big picture. They faced, you know, they opened up SEC play this week. I uh, I didn't get to watch – I didn't watch any of Arkansas or what Cal did. I got back home at about 7, 6.30 or so, and turned it on to Auburn, Oregon. Um, but Arkansas, at least, appears they're going to be very bad again. Um Again, it's so it's just it's so hard to tell because that team like like it's so hard to tell a new quarterback like you remember Bo Wallace Ole Miss uh, in twenty twelve that first game they were losing to Central Arkansas at halftime. <laughs> they were, they were, um, but they came back and ran them off the field in the second half too. Sure, so, but if Arkansas plays much better this week, I'm not going to be surprised. No, I'm not either. But I'm also Ole Miss is favored by seven points for a reason. Ole Miss is better than Arkansas. Um, according to Vegas, you should win the football game. If, if you don't win on Saturday, that's an indictment on your program. I, I don't really – there's not much else to say other than that regarding, you know, whether you should win or lose. You're a seven-point favorite. You're at home. Um, you're the more talented team by recruiting standards. Just go win the football game. And and if you do, probably everything's okay. Um. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Um. It's a big game. It's a big game for a lot of reasons. It's going to be an interesting game. It's probably going to be a very sloppy pillow fight like you've seen amongst these two teams the last couple of seasons. Um. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um. Like you said, Ole Miss really needs to win this game because if they don't, um, it's a slippery slope after that, man. Like, 
if you lose this game, there are 14 people at the Southeastern Louisiana game, and we start having other conversations. Well, I'll be interested to see. Yeah, there's, there's always probably going to be fewer people at the Southeastern Louisiana game for very obvious reasons. If you lose at Arkansas, how many people show up against Cal is what would be interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. And look, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I don't expect it to happen. Southeastern Louisiana upset um, their the, the, the people that were Jacksonville State who was projected to win their conference. They beat them by like 20 on Thursday night. So Ole Miss doesn't exactly have the easiest FCS opponent either. You start off 0-2, and, and that game's a 10-point game in the third quarter. I'm not shocked. Uh, yeah, that would, that, would, that would be the vibe in the stadium and amongst Ooh. the program of, you know, if that ends up being the case would be interesting to me because where do you go from there? Um, so, I yeah, mean, it's a big week for Ole Miss. It's a huge week. Um, they have – they I mean – whatever must win, whatever cliche you want to use, they really have to win this game because they're going to be in big, big trouble if they don't. Um, yeah, I mean, lose this one and there might be some more fraternity signs hanging up. Yeah. You see that? Yeah, and I, the other uh, the, the other shit take from the weekend that I saw a couple of people throw it like throw at me on the internet, and I'm not giving credence to just two morons on online, but, like, it's like Longo is never the problem. It's like, no, he was okay. bad. Yeah, he wasn't good. Now, I get – look, I get Ole Miss fan frustration when Longo takes the freshman quarterback and tears up South Carolina's defense and Ole Miss has, you know, negative one rushing yards in, at halftime. I get the frustration there. Well, Tomu was in most of that game. No, 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 no. I'm talking about Longo on Saturday. Oh, 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 yeah. Still, but I think as far as Ole Miss is apples to oranges, completely different personnel. Yeah, I tell you what, Longo, <clears throat> they threw it tight ends and across the middle on Saturday just kind of speaking it out. I wonder if he's changed some things up. It'd probably be a good idea for him. Uh, yeah, I would assume so. Um, <laughs> Tennessee, whoa. Oof. Look, you could have had worse Saturdays on this fans. Yeah, I, te- I, te- I texted Borky after that. Like, I was driving home and I saw that Tennessee score and I was like, that's not right, is it? Like, that, my thing screwed up and it was correct. Yeah, 38-25 or 38-30 and it wasn't that close. Uh, good luck, Tennessee. You're going 2-10 and 10. Pruitt's getting fired. Maybe, maybe your fan base can hire another coach. Um, yeah, people, uh, people were kind of bullish on Tennessee going in. Uh, that's a really bad look because Georgia State went two and ten a year ago. Yeah, they weren't even a good Sun Belt team. They were a bad Sun Belt team, and they handed two year on your home field. So, yeah, that uh, was a very surprising result to me. Missouri lost outright to Wyoming after yeah. Missouri up fourteen or seventeen nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's a bad look for us, man. I didn't see. Uh, I did not see. Uh, I did not see much of that game. What happened? Uh, I didn't see a play, but uh, you, you go up to Laramie and get beat. You're probably not a very good football team. They're not the first SEC team to go get beat in Laramie, though. No, Ole Miss did. Um, <laughs> that was surprising. It, Arkansas struggling was surprising. Auburn, Gus, uh, Gus is going to go ten and two and get an extension. Look, look, the quarterback for Auburn did not play well on Saturday. That kid's going to be special, though. Like, he, he's extremely athletic. He can throw the heck out of the football. They asked him to do a little bit too much as a true freshman, but that, that kid can play. Yeah, it's one of those things in that type of game. Like, yeah, the kid has a hell of a long way to go in developing as a passer, among other things. But that's one of those ones where if you just kind of, like, if you have the poise and the stones to remain in that game, not get intimidated or flustered and stay in it and win it and conduct a drive like they did at the end, that's kind of what you would take away from that, the kid being an 18-year-old freshman. Gus 
too. Gus gets a lot of heat, and a lot of it's deserved. He does a lot of stupid stuff on offense. But kudos to him there. You watched the end of the game, obviously, right? Yeah. Kudos to him there for not settling for a field goal. So many people there just settle for a 45-yard field goal with a, with a college kicker, and I've never understood that. So kudos to him for, you know, not. Uh, yeah, no, I would agree with that because in a world of bad college kickers, you don't really ever want to leave any doubt. Now, if it gets down, like it was interesting on that play, if that's an incomplete pass, your next play is probably just to position your guy. Well, that was what would have been interesting because do you have time to do that? Because there was like 10 seconds left. How do you go position him? Because if you kneel it, you're chancing not being able to spike the ball. Yeah, that's true. You'd have a Gus, uh, a, a uh, Les, Miles. Les Miles type situation on your hands. Um, yeah. Mississippi State I'm... didn't look good. Who? Mississippi State didn't look great. I didn't watch, obviously, a snap of that game. It sounded like they really struggled. Uh, sounded like they struggled defensively, maybe more so than they thought. People are not fans of Bob Shoup at Mississippi State. They say that uh, he was really good because he had three first rounders and kind of kind of looked like that on Saturday. Maybe so, but again, one game. Yeah, sure. I'm just, I'm just. The, the state social media uh, contingent was not a big fan of Bob Shoup. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to make one. I don't know. Weird game. 11 a.m. kickoff in the Superdome. I, I don't know. I, I'll be interested to see what state does against Look, Southern Miss. I got, I got a hot take for you. LSU is going to keep it within one possession of Alabama this year. I think they're going to play well. I think Alabama's a little bit down from what they usually are. No, look, they're probably still going to win the league. But I think LSU's going to give them a scare this year. Okay. Uh, that is a take. I uh, I didn't see much of LSU's game. They put up a ton of points on Georgia Southern. Um, you know, this is kind of the, can LSU run the spread? Can they really actually open up their offense? If they can, I would agree with you because they have a really good defense. But, man, if this Knicks kid continues to improve each week, that in Auburn kind of turns this into a somewhat three-headed race or at least – two heads to catch Alabama, that's going to be fascinating. Auburn LSU yeah. is going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, Auburn gets beat in Baton Rouge because they never win in Baton Rouge. It's the craziest thing. Ole Miss has more success in Baton Rouge than them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think you got a four-horse race if, if that's the case because I think A&M's going to be got potential to compete too. I would agree I with that. And then, but uh, Auburn won the last time when they were down there, right? That was really kind of the one game when Orgeron was uh, – that was Orgeron's first year. They really let that slip away. No, Auburn let it slip away. Auburn was up, and then LSU came storming back, right? Uh, is that what it was? I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah. Because the year LSU. before that was the 18-13 game that was Miles' last game. Uh, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to be fascinating. When is that game? That's usually in September, right? Yeah, first of the year. I guess I can look. I know Auburn has a tough spot where they go. At Florida and then at L or yeah at Florida at LSU so ooh, got beat. Um, yeah, so it sounds like it's going to be a top heavy league. It sounds like the top of the SEC is uh, pretty strong. Whether it's Alabama, LSU, Georgia, maybe you throw Auburn in that mix. What do you make? How much does Florida improve? Um, the bottom half is 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 bad. There could be some teams in this league that win eight games and aren't good football teams just because they got to beat up on other teams. Yeah, I was not. I mean, obviously, South Carolina is in a world of trouble with that Ooh. schedule. Um, obviously, Boom's not going to make a bowl, and Boom's going to be looking for a job. Wait, what? I'm, I'm, Will Muschamp is not going to make a bowl game, and he's going to be looking for a job. 
I wonder, it'd be interesting to see if they actually pulled the trigger on that. Um, I think he got to. I mean, I don't know. what he's. Let's see. Muschamp is... Like, you go five and seven with a senior quarterback, and, and you know, Bentley Rico Dowdle. hit his ceiling as a sophomore, though. Yeah, I mean, fair enough, but, I mean, he is a senior quarterback. Six and, uh, so he's gone six and seven, nine and four, seven and six. I don't know. He probably's not getting fired if they miss a bowl once out of four mm-hmm. years. I don't know, man. Because and you got you got we don't we don't live close enough to there for it to matter. But when Clemson's doing what they're doing, those people are going to get impatient. That's fair, but like, man, you he goes to a bowl game all three years he's there, and then he misses one in his fourth year. I don't think they fire him just off that. We'll see. Uh, but. As, I think I think that doesn't get you know enough play. Is with South Carolina, you look over at Clemson, you're like, why in the world can we not do that? Because I mean, look, you can talk about the SEC all you want. The SEC East is not as big of a bear as people that make it out to be. I mean, it's Georgia, then a little bit of Florida, and then everybody else. Yeah, it's kind of just a pile of crap towards the middle of the bo- towards the middle or the bottom. Sam's right. A and M is probably going to be pretty competitive. Yeah, A and M's going to be good. Um, LSU, Auburn is going to be good. I think the the league's got a chance to be interesting this year. Yeah, it really is. It's uh, can some one of these teams? It doesn't look like anyone's going to catch Georgia in the East. It looks like Florida's really the only hope there. And you know, they didn't look great against Miami, but again, I'd kind of like to see what Frank once Frank's gets going again because they played better towards the end of last year. Um, I'm not giving up on Florida yet, but other than that, I don't know who's touching Georgia in the East. Nobody. I mean, if you can't go to Laramie and win Missouri, you don't have a prayer. Yeah, um, so really not a great weekend for the SEC overall. Not that that necessarily matters. Like, I'm, I'm not a big conference. Like, yeah. I don't think people should put much in, like, how overall conferences perform if you're, like, have an in- interest in a team in a conference. But it yeah, wasn't a great you, weekend for the SEC. I think you should root against your conference, frankly. I mean, maybe I'm a, if you're a fan of an SEC team, you should root for the other teams outside of your conference to lose. But, you know, whatever. Um, and I, I don't – did I miss anything else? I don't really get to watch much football. I was pretty thankful to be able to watch some on Saturday night. I got to watch most of the Oklahoma-Houston uh, game last night. Jalen Hurts looked really strong. I think Houston's defense is awful, but uh, he looked he looked he looked the part. Yeah, he's going to be something in the uh, in the Big Twelve where they just kind of don't recover don't cover receivers. Yeah, that that's going to be an experience. Um, nothing really. Poor JT Daniels. Clay Helton's going to get fired because the start quarterback towards ACL. It's interesting. Uh, they had a QB competition that was really kind of three ways. So where do they go from there? So they- I'm interested here. All right. So they had that JT Daniels, obviously five star uh, sophomore. They had a kid that was came in in Daniels' class, I believe, that was another five star. But when he lost the uh, quarterback competition, he entered he entered the transfer portal. He's still in school at USC. Does, does he come back and play now? Because he left the team. They were playing a true freshman who just couldn't do anything. I'm interested to see how that works. Like I said, he's still in school at USC. So did he just come back and play? I don't know. My good friend Antonio Morales, who covers USC, I believe said yesterday that Clay Hilton left the door open for that. Um, <laughs> so that's interesting because, I mean. Um, Look, if you're Clay Hilton, you got you got to do it if he's your best chance to win because they're going to fire you if you don't. Yeah, but the thing was when the death chart came out, he was listed at third or fourth behind two other guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that was just because. Sears was going to transfer. Maybe He's the so, best. but I don't know. Interesting. Um, Nothing else really happened around college football that I can recall. Um, yeah, not uh, 
I, I, again, I'm trying. I'm just making sure we went through everything. I don't think we missed anything. Um, Monday press conference here in about an hour as of this recording, as of we're out right now. It'll be interesting to hear Rich Rodriguez talk about some of the stuff maybe he saw up front with the offensive line, some of the stuff he might have done from a schematic standpoint differently, knowing the offensive line was going to struggle that bad in hindsight. It'll be interesting to hear what what he saw and kind of what changes they make from week one to week two. Because what's interesting, I've, what I've kind of found out, is when you get a new system and a new coordinator in, and in Ole Miss's case on both sides, and in this case, a lot new, a lot of new personnel on the offensive side of the football. There's going to be volatility, different rates of success in between weeks. Like I think a lot of weeks are going to go better. You know, like you're going to have, you're going to have some volatility in terms of like the the rate of success. I'm not sure it's necessarily going to remain consistent. So how does that change from week one to week two? Because I think it has potential to be very dramatic. Yeah, no, I mean I think that's certainly fair. So we'll see. It's a must win for Ole Miss. I mean we'll we'll kind of delve on it all week and then kind of dig into it. Do you have any Arkansas people you can get on this week? Yeah, we'll have someone on Wednesday. I'm not exactly sure who, but uh, stay tuned for that. We'll have um, an Arkansas beat writer Wednesday to kind of gauge the temperature of what should be a a. It will be a football game. Like someone's going to win and lose. <laughs> Fair enough. They allowed Fair someone enough. to win that game last year in the rain. They did. You can make an argument both teams should have gotten a loss. I would have been fine with that because it was awful to watch. It was very bad, and it was raining and wet. That was not my favorite road trip. Um, so, yeah, um, that's going to be a fascinating game for both sides because if you're, I'll be interested to get the Arkansas vantage point for what this game means to them because it's year two and, like, they – like, chapter one of a 12-part book of year two was a really bad one. Yeah, yep. So, it's it's gonna be fun on Saturday, one way or the other. Uh, yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, this is this. I was I, I, the last couple of years were so boring to cover um, from an Ole Miss standpoint because you kind of knew that they were gonna be atrocious defensively and score a decent amount of points on offense because of the talent they had at receiver and what ended up being at quarterback once you saw what they had in Tomu after Shea Patterson. I was genuinely fascinated when I walked in the Liberty Hall on Saturday. I was fascinated to see what the offense was going to look like, how much improvement the defense showed. Like I was like, this could either be a complete and utter disaster or a raging success, and I think it fell somewhere in the middle if you're looking at the entire body of work on both sides. I think I completely agree with everything you said. So, so well, yeah, that's a, it's, it's fascinating. I don't know. This team is, if, if nothing else, at least if you, like, if, you, if, you, if you watch Ole Miss in, week in and week out and you've been bored and apathetic towards the last couple of years, at least this is going to be fascinating to watch. I was fascinated by Saturday. I, I found that game very interesting to me. Just I mean, every series and every play because it was, everything was so new. How are they going to adjust? You know, is the offensive line going to get any better? So at least it's not boring. <laughs> Never is with Ole Miss. Uh, between an NCAA investigation and a football team, uh, never boring at Oxford. Yeah, so that's about all I've got for today. Um, you know, if you've got questions, reactions, hit me with your hot takes. I'm happy to read them on Wednesday's show. Um, you know, feedback always appreciated. Um, my mentions at halftime were not great. Um, I, it was basically a conglomerate of when are we going to see a new quarterback, when are we going to see a new coach, and uh, what am I watching? questions after Zoom. Yeah, uh, people did not handle it well. So anyway, it was uh, it was interesting to me. Um, I'm looking forward to next week, I think, uh, kind of how this looks from week one to week two. You know the old cliche, you improve, you know, you make the most improvement in between week one and week two. Is that the case for Ole Miss? They better hope it is. Yeah, otherwise it's going to be a tough few weeks in Oscar. Yeah, so 
I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go to this uh, presser. We'll have coverage at supertalk.fm. Check out our game coverage from over the weekend. I have a couple stories. I had a live post-game Periscope where I answer your questions and took your insults. Um, so, yeah, um, like and subscribe to the podcast. You can give us four or five stars. Um, you can say whatever you want in the comment if you do that. Um, you know, you can catch this on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, con- uh, continue to share the show. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. I really enjoyed the feedback. Um, so for Colin Brister, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. We'll be back at it on Wednesday as we transition to Arkansas Week. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.